Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. We come to you today with another movie review for the movie A Simple Favor, out in theaters now, or possibly not now, in case you're listening to this at a later date. In that case, not in theaters, but, you know, like on a Blu-ray somewhere. Um, as per normal, our breakdown will be, we'll give you a general idea of whether you, su- whether you should see this film in the theaters, whether you should wait for it on Blu-ray or a streaming service, or whether you should ignore it altogether, or maybe just see it in a hotel somewhere while waiting to do something better. Uh, after which, we will go into the spoiler-heavy section, where we will break things down by cast and director and editing, costuming and props, location, cinematography, plot, and writing to come up with a scientific score that's not scientific whatsoever and is strictly opinion uh, to you know, you know, give you that kind of feeling of getting that letter grade in high school again. Uh, so let's start with, should you see this in theaters? Maybe. Um, I have to say I was pleasantly surprised by this film, partly because I had no expectations going into it whatsoever, had no idea it was coming out, no concept of what the plot was, just completely not on my radar. So it's generally not something that I would have salivated over to go see in the theater. Uh, Is it a good date movie? It kind of depends who you are and who you're dating, uh, but potentially uh, a fun date movie. Uh, that being said, for most people, I would say you would probably want to wait until you got it uh, on a streaming service. Definitely worth a watch on streaming service uh, or even potentially owning on Blu-ray. I think this is one that I might actually purchase because I had so much fun with it. Um, but aside from that, uh, let's go into the main part of the review. Spoilers ahead for anybody that doesn't want to know what happens in the movie. As I go into, into some finer details, uh, this is where you stop. So let's start with the cast, as always. Uh, We've got a pretty awesome cast. Um, Maybe not what you would consider the blockbuster, you know, every star you've ever heard of kind of level cast, but it's got some fairly large names, some people have been in quite a few films, but the right kind of composition and experience and capability that you would hope for in a cast, I think. Um, This is intended to be kind of a sexy whodunit kind of a feel to it with a lot of goofiness so you know you need to have some people of a certain level of attractiveness and there's definitely that Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are gorgeous as always Uh, the individual Henry Golding uh, someone I'm not completely familiar with has two different movies out at the same time right now Uh, handsome handsome fellow uh, even, you know, like Andrew uh, Rannells, Rannells, I hope I'm saying that right, you know, somebody that is, you know, very, very uh, attractive. So you got this entire cast of very glamorous feeling people to kind of give you that that um, that play, the glamorous versus the nasty under, underbelly of, of human nature and that sort of thing. So it, it worked quite nicely. Um, anyway, but, you know, Anna Kendrick, uh, for most people, uh, are fairly familiar with her. She was in the Pitch Perfect movies, Trolls, Twilight, uh, Up in the Air. You know, quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of uh, experience uh, as the uh, main main uh, character, uh, Stephanie Smothers. Uh, you've got, uh, as I mentioned, Andrew Rannells, uh, who I feel terrible. I mistook him for somebody complete. I, I knew I recognized him, but completely thought he was somebody else until I looked into the the papers. Uh, 
but uh, he has been all over the place. He's in the new normal. He's done a ton of voice work, uh, One Piece and Yu-Gi-Oh. He had a small stint on How I Met Your Mother, which is where I actually recognized him from because that was a show that I enjoyed quite a bit. And he had a very, uh, very memorable role, even though he's only in a couple of episodes. He's just an awful, awful person <laughs> in that show. Um, but he plays one of the uh, kind of dads in the in the mom group. Uh, of course, you got Blake Lively as Emily. Um, uh, she was in Green Lantern and Sisters of the Traveling Pants and Gossip Girls, and again, quite a few roles. Uh, very, um, very, uh, very familiar face. And of course, uh, uh, considering who she's married to, she uh, she and uh, Ryan Reynolds are constantly in the news for uh, giving each other trouble, which is just fantastic. Um, but, uh, you know, does, uh, does an excellent job in this role and can manage to pull off, uh, you know, confrontational and difficult and not nice, but also kind of alluring at the same time very nicely. Uh, you've got, like I said, Henry Golding as Sean, who is one of the other kind of main characters. He is currently in Crazy Rich Asians. Um, kind of, uh, like I said, I, unfamiliar to me, but I thought he did an excellent job, has a lot of, uh, ability to emote quite well and a, a, a lot of good, uh, uh, emotional range in the face, which is excellent. You've got, uh, Bashir Salah I feel terrible cause I know I just massacred his name. Uh, but, uh, he plays the detective. He's the kind of the other noteworthy individual. I felt he's, I, I couldn't quite place him when I saw him. It's like, I know who that guy is. He is in the show glow. It's like, ah, yeah, that, that, that does it. But also, uh, writes for Jimmy Fallon, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, all in all, those are the, those are the major individuals that I recognize. I, I always hate cause I never have enough time to talk about all the different cast members, but as uh, as it is, you know, it's a solid cast all around. Um, none of them are um, what you would necessarily um, expect in a movie like this, I think. Maybe that's fair to say. I've never seen Anna Kendrick in anything like this, never seen Blake Lively in anything like this. So it's kind of like a, a slightly different uh, environment for them, but they all did so well. Um, I have to, because of the surprise of how good everything worked on that, I've got to give an 18 out of 20 for casting on this one. Um, moving into the direction. Now, the director of this is Paul uh, Feige. I think it's Feige because it's Kevin Feige with uh, Marvel. I know, well, I don't know that they're not relation, but I don't expect that they're relation. Uh, but uh, this gentleman has been behind quite a few things uh, of what some people would be considered to be varying levels of quality um you've got uh, bridesmaids you've got he did a bunch of episodes of the office uh several episodes of nurse jackie arrested development he wrote freaks and geeks um so you know he's got some experience in here um Again, I often don't take too much into account. Maybe I probably should more about who is directing a specific film unless it's like, it's it's Spielberg or whatever. But, you know, that way I feel that it doesn't taint my, uh, taint my um, enjoyment of the movie or try and color how I look at it. Uh, and I think that whether it's it was innate to the actors or whether it's what he pulled out of the actors, they all they all 
did such a great job with the the writing that was there and bringing the characters to life uh, with the editing. There weren't a lot of uh, cuts that I would say that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, nothing felt like it was you know left on the on the floor of the cutting room that I wish was in there that would have explained something more. The stuff that needed to be mysterious was kept mysterious and the stuff that needed to be explained was explained for the most part. If I had a gripe in terms of something like that, it was probably the imbalance between the opening of the movie and the ending of the movie in the credits, as goofy as that sounds. Uh, in the beginning of the movie, it was very kind of almost 50s, 60s feeling in, in the way that it was presented. And at the end of the movie, they did the thing that a lot of movies like, this is what the characters did afterwards. But it was all text. No imagery, black screen behind. It was a little weird, um, kind of jarring at the end. It didn't seem, to, didn't seem to work too terribly well. Maybe if they could have just put some sort of image behind it or... Even if it was just like the equivalent of a computer screen, something other than black, that that might have been a little bit better. I also had to laugh a little bit at the beginning. I can't believe the number of times they could put Paul Feige's name into the credits at the beginning of the movie. I had to have seen it 20 to 30 times. That's probably an exaggeration, but that's what it felt like. It's Paul Feige, Paul Feige. A uh, little odd. Um, but... Uh, uh, if that's my gripe in terms of the uh, editing of the movie uh, or the direction that it was taking, that's really pretty good because those are those are fairly minor. Um, so uh, I would have to say that uh, all things considered, I'll give that a 15 out of 20 uh, for direction and editing. Uh, then you've got the costuming and props, which in a movie like this, I generally expect is going to be, you know, kind of a mediocre thing, nothing much. I was really pleasantly surprised. It feels like there was a lot of thought put into the costuming and put into the props of everything that went into it. Uh, because part of it is a, a vlog that, uh, that Stephanie is doing. She's always in a different outfit. She's always got kind of a different uh, appearance when she's picking up the kids, when she's going out on dates, when they're showing the closet with all the outfits that Emily's character has. There is just a ton of stuff, and it's so varied. The painting of uh, Emily's character in the nude, hanging front and center in the apartment, so jarring. You know, you know, one of those things that you don't expect to see and you don't know how to comment on or do I look at it? Do I look away? It was done in just the right way to, to kind of make you scratch your head. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, when you get to the artist's uh, workshop and the, the works in progress and all of the bladed weapons and uh, whenever... Um, the Stephanie character is doing the vlog and all of the food in preparation or the, the friend bracelets with all the little things in the separate packages. It just had a ton of stuff and it had not just a bunch of different feels, but it almost, well, I mean, it is part of telling the story and they did an excellent job matching it to the personality of the individuals, but also as that personality changed throughout the film and, and kind of with the tone of what's going on. 
superb. I, I you know, out of ten, I got to give that a ten. They they did a, a phenomenal job, even if it, even if it wasn't a lot of uh, high tech stuff like you would, you know, or maybe high tech's not the right right word, but effects laden stuff that you would expect in in, in something like a sci fi. It, it doesn't matter because they they did uh, so good a job putting that together. Um, now I'm not saying this is in stark contrast to the locations but i mean again in a movie like this i i, I think it's kind of hard to have locations that are going to kind of blow you away this isn't a a, a grand uh movie about uh, a journey from beginning to end or a massive uh action film with a lot of grand sweeping whatever a lot of kind of the same locations. You're in the front of the school several times. You're in Stephanie's house several times. You're in Emily's house several times. The same locations, the same camera angles. Um, you end up visiting the house that Emily grew up in that's partially burned. You've got the camp that they go to. It's got a handful of locations, none of which really popped out at me as being fantastic. Uh, the set design is solid for sure. But uh, again, nothing that kind of blew me away. So I can't probably give that more than a seven. But truthfully, in a movie like this, especially considering how good the costuming and props was, kind of secondary, not all that important. Um, then when you go to, that kind of plays into the same thing with the cinematography and, and the, way that the, uh, the way that the movie was shot. Um, not a lot of tricks here or there. Uh, uh, no body cams, you know, no steady or unsteady cams, I guess, you know, the Blair Witch Cam. Um, uh, you don't get a lot of distance shots. It's a lot of, you know, kind of standard two people are talking. We need them both in the frame. There's not a lot of movement. It's unimaginative is not right the right word, but it's what it needs to be for the movie, obviously. Um but at the same time, again, it doesn't kind of amaze either. Um, so there really isn't even much to talk about in terms of this, I don't think, because there's just nothing there. It's not the, that's not what the movie is focusing on, really. So I'm just going to kind of skip past that and just give it a, a kind of a standard 15 out of 20. But then we get to the plot and the writing. If I had a gripe with the plot, I wasn't a big fan of how they did the standard, let's start in the middle and then flash back to catch you up and then go forward. That can work really well. A lot of times it has a very plot specific reason for being done that way, or if nothing else, it has a stylistic flair that it gives to the movie. I don't think it really achieved anything in this movie to start with her doing the vlog and then going back because first of all, it doesn't go back very far and it just kind of seems unnecessary. Um, but, when it comes down to it, uh, one of my favorite things in any movie is to not be able to predict how the movie is going to end. Whether that's because it's something that's entirely entertaining and I get completely invested into it, or whether it's written with such a surprise that there's no way I could have possibly predicted it. In an instance like this movie, there are so many people that could be doing a variety of different things. I mean, these aren't new concepts or new tropes that are put into here, but they're all executed, uh, everything's executed so well, you don't quite know which direction they're going to be going down. There's like, you know, five or six different kind of standard roads that it could go down to in a very satisfying sort of a way. And a lot of times the 
the writer or the director is going to put in some hints as to exactly where this is going to go. If there were hints, I was dumb enough not to see them uh, or maybe too wrapped up in enjoying how well things were going to not see them. I had my thought of where I thought things were going and it definitely didn't go quite the way that I expected. Maybe I'm just kind of a darker minded individual. I thought it was going to end up being Stephanie that was responsible for the, the disappearance of Emily and it was going to go take a really dark turn and it didn't quite go there. Um, which is kind of unfortunate uh, in the sense because I like being right. But uh, again, I also like being wrong and uh, kind of being surprised by things. Um, the interspersing the video logs or the vlogs uh, in between the kind of the standard character interaction was really nice. Um, and I, I think it kind of did a good job breaking things up and and giving kind of a perspective from the the main character without kind of revealing. It reveals how the mind works of the character without revealing how many levels, uh, how many levels that Stephanie is really thinking on. Um, there is some some stuff in this that would offend some people. And I probably will have to put in the description that there's just, you know, one, you know, la less than a civil word in here. But, you know, the, the brother fucker um, phrase comes up multiple times through the film. Sounds like a ridiculous phrase, but it's really funny in the way that it's used. And I can't believe I've never actually heard that particular term before. Pretty damn funny. Um, it... Uh, the way that the characters interact and the and the way the dialogue that is really the 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 place that this shines the the character dialogue between everybody has a different dynamic and everybody gets in good digs here and there and good lines there's nobody that's just that is the person that's i'm also here too and i don't get to say anything every single character that had speaking lines of more, or I should say more than one speaking line in the film got good lines, which you never see that. Um, if, um, if I, if I would, uh, if I would say that there's anything that it was maybe, maybe lacking, uh, uh sequel, <laughs> I would like to kind of, kind of see something similar to this. I thought, it, I thought it did. I thought it did quite well. Um, so, uh, all in all, the, between the plot and the writing, I got to give this a 17 uh, out of 20, and that would put me right at an 82 overall score on that. Uh, that is uh, that is just just uh, in the B minus range. Um, I I really enjoyed this, and I, I'm probably going to uh, I'm probably going to get a, a a copy at some point when it comes out on Blu-ray, just because it was so much fun. What did you think? Did I miss anything major? Was there something that was a point that stuck in your craw when you saw the movie? Or uh, was this description enough to go, hey, I should probably give that a, ch uh, a chance? Uh, I never liked Pitch Perfect, but if Anna Kendrick is good in this, let's, let's see what she does. Or I loved her in Twilight. I should see this movie. Um, let us know in our comments, uh, specifically the uh, forums that we have on the website. Uh, also, feel free to uh, check us out uh, on Twitter and Facebook at uh, Real Pudding Guys, and uh, we will let you know about upcoming interviews and movies and everything if you uh, just take a gander at what's going on. 
And I will come back with more movie reviews next week. See you later. Mm-hmm.